Well, we're doing a series called Kingdom Culture. The kingdom of God is what we are living in. That's what we've been transferred into, out of one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of God. Amen. And so when we use the word culture, basically culture means a way of life or a way of living. And so as we have come into this kingdom, we need to adapt ourselves to his thoughts, his ways, his desires for our life. Amen. And we began by talking about how important it is to think in line with kingdom thinking. And that comes by renewing our mind. And then Brenda did a wonderful job on the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Go ahead and say it with me. But righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And just one dose of the Holy Ghost is not enough for us. Amen. And so she ministered on the joy of the Lord. Then last week, we talked about Romans 1.17, where it says, The just, those that have been declared righteous, shall live by faith. And we talked about why faith is so important. Why is it important? Well, it's the way we live. It's the way we speak. It's the way we talk. It's the way we walk. It's the way we quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen? And then the list goes on and on. Today, what we want to talk about is adapting ourselves to kingdom culture concerning walking in the life of God and walking in the love of God. In John chapter 13 and verse 34 and verse 35, Jesus said this, A new commandment I give unto you, that you also love one another as I have loved you. Now, that's a big key right there. We need to get the understanding of just how much God loves us just how much Jesus loves us. Amen. As a matter of fact, the Father loves us just as he, much as he loves Jesus. Amen. And so that is the foundation of loving one another. So he says, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then look at verse 35. It says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. And this phrase by this kind of jumped out of the pages of the Bible at me by this, by the way that we treat one another, by the way that we speak to one another, by the way that we forgive one another, by the way that we serve one another, by the way that we pray for one another, by the way that we care for one another. That is how the world is going to know that we are truly followers of Jesus Christ. Somebody says, why is that such a big deal? Why is that so important? Because it is a huge witness to the world. You see, the world is looking for evidence. Not by what we wear, not by how we talk, but they're looking at how we walk. Not by what we drive or how much money we have. The world is looking for something real. The world is looking for a people that love one another and that represent Jesus in their culture. Can you say amen? amen. Now Jesus said some amazing things about the love walk. In John chapter 15, beginning in verse 8, he said, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall be you be my disciples indeed. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue now in my love. 
if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide or live in his love. Now notice this phrase with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Is anybody interested in fullness of joy? The joy of the Lord is our strength, is it not? The joy of the Lord will strengthen us during this season and this hour in which we love, live. But notice with me, it is directly commend, uh, uh, connected to us keeping the commandment. He said, this is my commandment that you will love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And he says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And so the fullness of joy comes by keeping this love command. The more we keep the commandment of love, the more joyful we are going to be. Now, I want to share with you a quote from Keith Moore. It's a life-changing quote. It's going to be up there on the PowerPoint. Notice with me what Brother Moore says concerning this. He says, and let's read it together. Ready, read. The selfish life is the empty life. The self-centered life is the miserable life. The giving life is the fulfilling life. And the unselfish life is the satisfying life. Now, if you're going to want that quote, look for next Sunday's sermon notes. It'll be on the table back there. But what this is basically saying to us is that we should be living our lives to give. The greatest example of love is giving. God so loved the world that what did he do? He thought about it. Well, if I'm in a good mood, I'll just send my son. No, he gave his only begotten son. Now, I want you to notice this phrase. One way that we lay down our lives for one another and for the kingdom of God, living in a kingdom culture, is by laying our life before the Lord. If we will live to bless people and love people and serve people, we will be full of joy. I understand this, that the most peaceful life is the life that is completely dedicated to serving God and his people. In 1 John chapter 3, in verse 14, it says this, We know, not we think so. No, we know that we have passed from life, un, uh, from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And so we see then the first evidence that we are a child of God is walking in love. Notice with me in verse 16. He says, hereby we perceive the love of God because he, he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, how is it that we lay down our lives for one another? That's a very, very good question. Well, it begins by setting aside your flesh. It begins by setting aside your agenda. How much money you can make. How nice of a car you can drive. Now, there's nothing wrong with having money, just so money doesn't have you. 
And there's nothing wrong with driving a good car. But driving cars and having money is not our first priority in life. How many of you know those things are fleeting? Those things will pass away. You cannot take your car with you. You cannot take your money with you. But I tell you what you can take with you, you can take with you the time that you have sown for the advancement of the kingdom of God, for the cause of Christ, and by serving one another. So laying down our lives means we lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. In Galatians chapter 5, and we notice in verse 13, it says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. How many of you are glad that you have been liberated? Whom the Son has set free is what? Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Now, how many of you know those who have been, those of us who have been set free need to stay free? Yes. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. In Galatians 5, and don't turn there, but it says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And be not entangled again with what? The yoke of bondage. So there's all sorts of yokes out there. There's all sorts of bondages out there that the enemy wants to entangle you again with. But if you'll stand fast in the liberty, if you'll live your life for him, if you'll live in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, you will see your life changed in every way possible. Now notice this in Galatians 5.13. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm laying down my life. For the cause of Christ. Christ. Living in this life life is not about us four or me, myself, and I. Living for Christ Christ. is serving my brothers and sisters in Christ. For brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by what? But by the love of God, serve one another. But by the love of God, care for one another. But by the love of God, pray for one another. But by the love of God, don't backbite. Don't criticize. Don't be judgmental. Let the love of God rule in you because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You can't say you can't do this. You can do this because God has furnished you with everything you will ever need to walk in the supernatural, to walk in the spirit, to walk in the God kind of love. And everybody shouted amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So this fullness of joy is connected to serve. The happiest people I know on earth are people that serve God. You'll notice when you walk into this building, the greeters have got a big smile on their face. You'll notice the ushers have smiles on their face when they serve. You'll notice when you drop your children off to CIA or to preschool, the people that are serving have a big smile on their face. 
Why do they have a smile on their face? Is it a fake smile? No, it's a joyful smile. It's a smile that comes from the anointing that God places on people that live their life to serve Jesus and to serve his people. Oh, somebody shout amen. And so the more that we grow and the more that we mature in God, the more his love is going to abound. You know, you cannot grow in God unless you grow in love. Paul, writing to the church of Thessalonica, said this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. He says, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves know and are taught to love one another. And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, and that's what I'm doing today. We have a loving church. We do not have strife in this church. We do not have confusion in this work. We do not have demonic spirits trying to tear this church apart because we have put our stake in the ground years and years ago that not only are we a word church, not only we are a Holy Ghost church, but we are a love church. We love one another, we love the world, and we're sold out for his cause. Oh, glory to God. And I am excited about it. I wish that you'd just get a little bit more excited about this message today. And he says, indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in the Bay Area. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. In other words, that you abound more and more. One translation says it this way, keep it up, keep it up but get better and better at it. My spiritual father, Kenneth E. Hagan, praise the Lord. He's been with Jesus for many, many years now, but I was reading his book, Love, The Way to Victory. I highly recommend that you download that book or order that book, Love, The Way to Victory. It's quite a large book, but there are nuggets in there, and I want to share some of the nuggets that he shared in that book. These are life-changing truths. He said this, all you need to do to grow in love is to abide in him and let him abide in you. The word abide means live in him and let him live in you. Oh, I love that. How do you do that? He says, through prayer and the word and communion with him. Then exercise the love that you have on the inside. Oh, praise God. You cannot live in vital union and communion with a God who is love without his love affecting the way that you think, affecting the way that you see other people, affecting the way that you speak to one another. Amen. It comes by living in love and living in his presence through prayer, through the word, and through communion. So the question then we want to answer today is how then do we walk in love? We've seen one of the greatest benefits of walking in love is fullness of joy. But I think it's important that we remind ourselves from time to time, if not daily, how to walk in love. How do we be a doer of God's love? Well, one way that we can do that is we can look at his definition of love. And as we look at this, I want to encourage you not just to hear this today, 
But to take this message and take the instructions that I'm giving you and meditate on them throughout the week. I'm telling you what, when God's word gets on the inside of you concerning healing, concerning prosperity, or concerning the love of God, it will come out of you in abundance. What you put in your heart, amen, is going to affect you and will manifest in your life. So I want to encourage you to meditate and think in line with God's word concerning the love walk. Mark Hankins said this. How many of you like Mark Hankins? I like to quote Mark Hankins. He's a Holy Ghost guy, but he's also a love guy. I've discovered that the strongest men and women in faith and in the Holy Ghost are also extremely strong in the love of God. Amen. Amen. He said this. He says, if you're not thinking the way love thinks, it won't be long before you're not acting the way love acts. <laughs> so walking in love then, what does it require? It gets back to renewing the mind continually. It's our greatest challenge. But I'll tell you for sure, it's also our greatest reward. Amen. Amen. Anybody ever been challenged to get in, to walk in love? Anybody ever been tempted to get in strife? On the job. Maybe on the way to church. I don't know. I mean, years ago when we first got into the ministry, you know, I wasn't always as sanctified as I am right now. Now, I want to remind you, I haven't arrived yet, but God's done a work in me. We were pastoring a little church in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, Abundant Life Church. We had about 12 people in church. Man, we thought we were having days of heaven on earth. But somehow, somewhere, the enemy would get in right before church and create a little bit of friction between us. A little bit of friction. And my message that morning was the love of God. So somehow, from between the way home to the church, I had to do some serious repenting. Anybody ever had to do some serious repenting? Well, how many of you know repentance is a good thing? Because repentance will always lead you into the goodness, into the mercy, and into the good grace of God. Amen. So don't be discouraged if you failed once or twice in the love walk. Don't be discouraged. Just judge yourself. Repent. Get up. Hit it again. Amen. And walk in the love of God. Say with me, I'm walking in the love of God today. Now, the Amplified Version, verse 4 and 5 of 1 Corinthians says this, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking or it is not selfish. It goes on to say, the love of God on the inside of you and the love of God on the inside of me, it is not touchy. It is not fretful. It is not resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Again, a quote from Dad Hagen. When people would criticize him, and he was criticized by experts, when people would say things about him and his family, here's what he said. I just learned 
that when people say something against me or do me wrong, it will hinder my walk with God if I criticize them or retaliate by saying anything bad about them. Isn't that a, a nugget there? Not retaliating, not rendering evil for evil. Somebody said amen. amen. But what I want to highlight out of these verses is this. Love is not resentful. The love of God always gives and forgives. Freely we have received forgiveness, and freely we should give forgiveness. You see, the greatest enemy to our faith is unforgiveness. You know, right there in Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, and 25, Jesus talked a lot about faith. In verse 22, he says, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. And then he said in verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. How many of you believe in moving mountains? How many of you believe you can have what you say? How many of you believe in answered prayer? Verse 24, he said, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you take them, and you shall have them. But he didn't stop there. And he said, and by the way, when you stand saying, and when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Somebody said, forgive them. If you have ought against any, that your Father, which also is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Forgiveness is exceedingly important to walk in and to live in in our life. One person said this, it this way, unforgiveness is the door which the devil enters. You see, wherever there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Smith Wigglesworth, how many of you have ever heard of him? I mean, he was an apostle of faith, wasn't he? If you've never read Smith Wigglesworth's book called Ever Increasing Faith, get it. What an apostle of faith. But listen to what he said. He said, I realize that God can never bless us on the lines of being hard-hearted. Critical or unforgiving. He said, this will hinder faith quicker than anything will. He says, I believe that there is a great many people who would be healed, but they are harboring things in their heart. And then he said, let these things go. Now we know that faith works by love. And if my faith is not working, the mountains are not moving. Amen. How many of you want your mountains to move? So faith works by love. And a step out of love is a step out of God. So what does this love on the inside of us do? What is the kingdom culture all about? I'll tell you, in part, it's letting go. I mean, it's just letting it go. And it's just letting it drop. It's letting go of bitterness. We don't have to get bitter. We can get better. And love's way is God's way. And God's way is our way. We're not going to live in bitterness. We're going to get better and better walking in the Spirit and walking in the goodness of God every day of our lives. Amen and amen. So let go of resentment. Let go of bitterness. Let go of that person that offended you on the job. 
Just let it go. An offense is something you do not need. It's a trap. It's a bait of the evil one. If he can get you offended, if he can keep you holding a grudge, he can hold you down and hold you back from the places where God wants to take you. God wants to take us from glory to glory. He wants to take us from strength to strength. He wants to take us from faith to faith. But in order to do that, we must make sure that our spirit man is cleansed from all filthiness and unrighteousness. And unforgiveness is dirty. Unforgiveness is unclean in the eyes of God. You see, holding on to your past, holding on to the hurts of the past can poison your present and limit your future. Don't let your past cripple you. Here's what Billy Graham says, and I want you to read it with me. Billy Graham said this. Let's read. In one bold stroke, forgiveness obliterates the past. Let's do just a little bit better on that. Okay, I'm going to count to three and let's read it together. One, two, three. In one bold stroke, forgiveness obliterates the past and permits us to enter the land. New beginnings. This could be a new beginning for you today when we receive communion. This could be the beginning of a new season for you. Your past can be obliterated. Don't let it poison your future. Now, one way that we can do this is we need to make sure that when our enemy comes against us, we don't play his stinking game. Because when he comes against us, it's his bait to get us to yield to the flesh. How many of you know, when we're in the flesh, we cannot please God? The flesh doesn't produce anything. So he'll come along with all these little games and all these little baits trying to get us to sin and to live in the lane of selfishness. Now Jesus addressed this, and he told us what we can do when our enemies come against us. Amen. Well, one thing you can do for sure, you can bind the devil. Amen. Amen? You can take authority of any evil spirit operating through somebody, and you can take the name of Jesus, and you can plead the blood of Jesus over that situation. Amen? Now, I want to remind you, our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle is not with humanity. Our battle is with wicked spirits in high places. And there's just millions and millions of people that are yielding to wrong spirits. But oh, thank God, you have authority in the territory in which you live. And you can take your place and you can take your dominion and you can bind up any evil spirit operating through somebody trying to get you out of the love of God. You command those spirits to desist in their maneuvers against you. And that while you're at it, pray for them. Do good to them. Here's what Jesus said. You wouldn't be opposed to obeying what Jesus said, would you? In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, let's read it together. He said, but I say unto you, curse your enemies. No, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Love your enemies. <laughs> Take them out of town, tie them up, and whoop them. Now, come on, let's be honest. Our flesh feels like that sometimes, right? But the love of God constrains us. 
I mean, you may feel like hitting them. Don't hit them with your fist. Hit them with the power of the Holy Ghost. Bless them. Do good to them. Pray for them. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So notice four things. Love, bless, do good, and pray. Martin Luther King Jr. said something I want you to quote right now. I love this quote. It's so powerful. Let's read it together. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Hallelujah. When you become the friend of God by obeying his commandments, you cannot be touched. The wicked one will not touch you. And he will even cause your enemies that come against you to be at peace with you. Hallelujah. How many of you can testify you've seen it before? I mean, the enemy came along and tried to build this big case against you, but you walked in the love of God, and all of a sudden that case just failed. Amen. Glory to God. You got the breakthrough you needed. You got the permit you needed. Come on, somebody. You got the money you needed. Why? Because you walked in the life of God and in the love of God. In 1 Corinthians 13, 6 and 7, it says, It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevails. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the worst of every person. No, is that what it says? No, it says love believes the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Say with me, love never fails. So there's a lot of things you could say. You could preach a year and a half on the love of God. But I just want to highlight that phrase, love believes the best. Yes. Say that with me. Love, love believes the best. Believes the, best. <laughs> the Lord gave me a phrase many years ago, love believes the best and just leaves the rest. Yes. Amen. <laughs> love believes the best but then just leaves the rest. Well, what's the rest? The rest is all those crazy imaginations, all those things, you know, get even. You're going to get even. Uh-uh. No, love believes the best, and it just rolls the care over on God, and it leaves the rest. Three things. Love sees the best. Pray to see, the, see people through the Father's eyes. He'll help you do it. Two, love believes the best. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. And then number three, love speaks the best. Speaks the best. Say it with me. Love, this God kind of love, it'll speak the best. So when we're walking in kingdom culture, when we're walking in the love of God, we need to watch our words. How many of you love life? Well, Peter says it this way, he that loves life, and if you want to see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and that, his spits, that, his, that he speaks no guile or words that will tear people down. You know, people feel so lousy about themselves to begin with, they don't need us bumming them out. They don't need us putting them down. They need words of life. They need words of encouragement. They need words of prayer. 
things that will change them forever. So love sees the best, believes the best, and speaks the best. Now what happens? We've looked at joy, but what happens when we do this? What happens when we take this message, we take this love commandment, we get serious about it, and we actually become doers of it? Great things will happen. Number one, I'll tell you, we've already looked at it, your joy is going to be full. So number one, great joy. But here's another one that we will experience in our lives when we walk in the love commandment. We will experience great presence. The great presence of God. Oh, we need his presence. Now notice something with me that Jesus said. In John chapter 14 and verse 21. John 14 verse 21. And I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. He said, now the person who has my commandments, do we have his commandments? And keeps them or does them. That is the one who really loves me. Do you really love him? Then you will keep his commandments. That's the person who really loves me. Now notice the rest he says. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will show, reveal, and manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him, and I will make myself real to him. Glory to God. That tells me that there's great presence available to those who walk in love. That there is great presence and, and a revelation of him manifesting himself to us on a daily basis when we walk in the love of God. I love what the Amplified says in Ephesians 3. The result of this is this. You will be filled with the fullness of God and you will have the richest measure of his divine presence. And you will become a body, holy filled and flooded with love himself. Hallelujah. You will become a person that is carefree. You will become like a Teflon Christian. Can't touch me without offense. Can't touch me with those words. Can't hurt me. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. No, I'm living in love. I'm living in the presence of God. And because I'm living in love and living in the presence of God, he is continually revealing himself, making himself known to me. He is continually manifesting himself in my life. I'm experiencing such a great presence in my life as a result of walking in the Spirit and walking in the love of God. This world can't touch it. This world knows nothing about it. Oh, do you want God manifesting himself in your life? Do you want his presence overtaking any other presence that comes against you, that comes your way? I will make myself real to him. I'm going to manifest myself to him. Now, one of the benefits of walking in love is not only will you be filled with the fullness of God, not only will you be filled to the full to overflowing with the goodness of God and the love of God, but now this love can flow through you. I said this love can flow through you. 
this love can flow through you to other people that are hurting. And that's part of our vision here. Part of our vision is to heal the hurting. How many of you know that healing takes place when the presence of God is activated in and through born-again believers? When his presence is flowing through you, hurting people can be touched by the power of God. And you know, you won't even have to walk in a room and announce and say, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm filled with the presence of God. Look at me. No, you'll just be walking in the Spirit. His presence will attend your way. It'll just ooze right out of you. Right in the marketplace, right at home, right at the grocery store, right on BART, wherever you are, let the presence of God manifest himself through you to other people that are hurting. And when they receive the presence of God, they'll be healed, they'll be sanctified, they'll be set free by the power of God. And so there is great, great, great joy and there is great presence that comes in us and upon us as a result of walking in the love of God. But here's another one, great peace. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Great peace. Come on, let's pray in the Holy Ghost a minute. Great peace. Oh, great peace. Great peace. You're living a carefree life. You're living in love. You're abiding in him. You're in that place of love. And as a result, you're experiencing a peace that passes all understanding. Say to me, great peace is mine because I'm walking in the love of God. You see, when you don't have any bitterness and you don't have any grudges and you're walking in forgiveness and you've got the door shut Everyone go like that. Maybe not as hard. Got the door shut. Shot on the enemy. Bitterness, confusion, strife cannot take root in your soul. Instead, you will experience his peace and his presence continuously manifesting. I'm telling you, the love of God will make you irresistible. It'll build a fortress of protection around your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Living carefree, rolling your burdens over on the Lord, just walking in the love of God. And lastly, here's what else walking in love will do for you. Here's what it'll do. It'll bring great success in your life. See, the Bible says that love never fails. Again, Dad Hagen said this, Walking in the love of God is the way to prosper in life. The God kind of love will bring you into victory in every area of your life. Just endeavor to do what the Bible says and exercise the God kind of love. What are you saying to me today, Pastor? I'm telling you that the love of God will bring you to the top in life. The love of God increasing in your life will bring you to the top in life. And I believe with all of my heart that whatever you put your hand to, God will touch. Whatever you set your heart to do according to his plan and to his will for your life, God will 
put his grace on it. God will touch it. God will multiply your peace. God will multiply your joy. God will multiply his presence and the joy of the Lord shall be full and overflowing in you today. I trust you got something out of this message today. My name is Mark Thomas. I approve of this message. Praise God. Thank God. Thank God. Say it with me. The love of God, love of God. is shed abroad in my, in my heart by the Holy Ghost.